opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Welcome everyone. Where are home prices going? After several years of sky-high growth, when will home prices start to come back to earth? That's the topic of today's Housing Wire Daily, and I have the perfect guest to walk us through that. It's our lead analyst, Logan Motoshami, and I can't wait to get started. So Logan, welcome back to the podcast. Sarah, it is wonderful to be here, and I think today is going to be a very informative podcast. Uh, It's going to be great. We are going to be talking about your latest article, which is Are Home Prices About to Fall? And that is a topic that you have had huge engagement on since you published it uh, on Thursday. And really, it answers a lot of questions for a lot of people. It's very, it, it takes a deep historical dive. It's interesting to me because I am both selling a house and buying a house right now. So home prices are extremely important to me and I know to everyone in our industry. So let's jump in. Let's. What's the context of this article? Why did you write it? So we're at that stage of the economic expansion where now every every question I get is basically two questions. And this is, uh, are we going into a recession or, or are home prices going to fall? This kind of reminds me of, of, of 2019 a lot. Um, in fact, there's a link to an article in, in, that, in that piece about what I was talking about in 2019, about don't, don't talk about housing crashes in, in, in this regard. And today, uh, or what, what I did with the article is to go back in history and let's remember everything that was, that was talked about. And during this you know, process from 2012 to 2022, inventory has always been falling. So the lack of reading Right. It, and I'm, you know me, I'm a big, big believer that reading is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. If you would have just read the inventory data and seen it fall every year, slowly all the way here to 2020. And then we had this breakdown on historical inventory levels. And this was the time where we're supposed to have this crash, even though it was the information was right there. And I, I just think that there becomes a point to where. Not reading hist- when we look at the history of the world, the darkest times are those who don't read or don't believe in reading. You know, uh, knowledge to them is a bad thing. Where someone like myself, we believe knowledge is a good thing. So I, I'm trying to explain what happened over since 2012, and because myself, I need prices to fall. I lost my price growth model. I wanted back. You know, you took it away from me. I want it back. So what am I looking for before I go into this, you know, the home price uh, decline discussion? So at least we have some historical perspective on uh, really a 10, 11 year whiff by a lot of people who just don't believe in reading. So it goes into uh, the start of 2012 and 2012 was back then people said the shadow inventory, the shadow inventory was uh, over 5 million, even though inventory levels were falling. And this is key. Inventory levels were falling. And and first, what is shadow inventory? If someone is new to, newer to the industry, they may not know what that shadow inventory means. So it was the homes that were, you know, in the kind of foreclosure process that weren't being released. So uh, one of the mistakes that everybody made, the forbearance, oddly enough, the, the forbearance crash bros are actually the shadow inventory people. They're just 10 years older. 
right? It's a lot of middle-aged guys, by the way. Uh, it's 10 years later, and they basically, they did the same thing. And it's funny because there's a lot of reoccurring uh, uh, um, presentations of what, what housing was going to happen or what crashes were. So the shadow inventory was this uh, 5 million plus homes, and that would crash the market. So inventory had fallen uh, below six months. Uh, we, we found a stable level for pricing. And, and then that was a call back then. It, it never happened. Inventory never uh, grew that year. It, actually, I remember it, it declined even more than I thought it would. So here's 2013. 2013, guess what happened? The taper, the taper of the Federal Reserve was talking about it. the 10-year yield went from 160 to 3%. The federal funds rate did not move. The federal funds rate did not go up at all that year, but the 10-year yield went, so we mortgage rates uh, shot up 1%. Uh, just like we are right now, you know, the 10-year-olds is, is above 3% right now currently, but we've had this ha happen before. So once that occurred, housing slowed down noticeably and everybody went into crash mode right then because of the shadow inventory, now rates were higher. Inventory didn't rise that year. But in 2014, and what happens, higher rates have kind of a delay effect on housing demand. So 2014, Purchase application data was down 20% year over year, four-week moving average trends. We're about 16 and a half right now. Uh, so, so we haven't gotten to levels that I thought we would get to yet. I was looking for 18 to 22% declines. But back then, adjusting to population, it was the lowest level ever in the mortgage purchase application data index. Total inventory rose. That year, that was the last year, we never got to six-month supply. The rate of growth of pricing fell. Price Nominal prices didn't fall. Okay, so that didn't work. So 2015, 2015 is always my favorite because that was the beginning of the silver tsunami. Every baby boomer in the world were all going to sell their stocks and houses to a bunch, or they were going to sell their houses to a bunch of millennials who couldn't buy. So they'd have to discount their homes by 50, 70, 90%. There was some really crazy talk back then. That didn't happen. But this was supposed to be a decade-long process from 2015 to 2025, the silver tsunami, right? Clever marketing tactic. Oh my God, it duped so many people for so many years. I deal with it all the time. But that wasn't the case. I still hear silver tsunami. I still hear that term. I still hear people talking about how it's coming. And I'm like, if it hasn't happened yet, not sure what you're waiting for. People, when they die, they won't take their houses with them. So that is more a valid premise, but um, that, that didn't work in 2015. So in 2016, we had a manufacturing recession, and so a lot of people who know me, you know, what the, the dollar gets stronger. Its biggest percentage run usually is before the first Fed rate hike. So the dollar got stronger. It crushed world growth to a degree, and oil prices fell. So people are talking about the manufacturing recession is a general recession. Really fun time for me back then because, you know, we're a consumer-based economy. We're not a third world country that exports energy. So that in historical basis, when you have a manufacturing recession, you have a general recession, it wasn't going to be the case. Uh, the stock market was down 15%. So people went into the manu I mean, Texas prices held up well because the Texas economy is much different now than it was in the early uh, 80s. So a lot of people went into the crash mode because of that. Inventory fell again. Then it was 2017. 2017, their only valid reason was that home prices were back to 2006 level. So if that's a bubble, that's, the you know, home prices, that, that didn't work. Inventory fell again. 
Then 2018 was really, that was the really most interesting year in the previous expansion. Mortgage rates had been slowly rising all the way up to 5%. The new home sales sector got hit noticeably. It had a supply shock. Purchase application data only had three mild negative year-over-year prints that entire year. We had near 6 million total home sales. Uh, the, the growth rate of pricing fell again, and that's what happens when rates rise. And uh, it, it wasn't a crash. There was a, there was a lot of bearish people in 2018. I, I would call that kind of the second ground zero point of the big collapse of the United States America housing market. Didn't happen. 2019, uh, early on in the year, the monthly supply data was showing some growth on a year-over-year basis. Sales trends were falling. Uh, prices were falling. Their growth rate never went negative nominally, but real home prices went negative my greatest joy. That was like the best housing market. We had choices. Nobody liked the 2019 markets because realtors couldn't sell their houses fast enough. Uh, rates were up. So, you know, but it was a very balanced marketplace. Uh, if I could have a housing market pricing, it would be that uh, always. But uh, again, nothing happened, right? Inventory levels didn't really grow in 2018 or 19. So then 2020 comes, right? So difference, my work, 2008 to 2019, here's 2020. Here's the time frame where um, I talk about the biggest housing demographic patch. We have replacement buyers. I'm not a sales boom person. We have replacement buyers. Uh, housing will be stable. We'll get, we could get over 6.2 million total home sales during this period, something we couldn't do in the previous expansion. And really, it's based on having existing home sales over five and a half million and having new home sales over 700,000. That's how you get there. Housing broke out in, in February of 2020. To this day, nobody goes back and looks at it. Uh, they, they don't understand why it happened. They think it was COVID. It's not true. You go back to the February existing home sales, new home sales data, housing start, it all broke out. And then the purchase application data was positive all the way up to March 18th. This was a clear, authentic breakout. And people don't understand. They think it's COVID. COVID came. Everybody went straight into crash mode. We wrote the America's Back Recovery Model on April 7th. Said, here, follow these dates, data lines, housing crash. People wait till July 15th. You'll see the June data. If housing is going to crash, you'll see it there. Don't go into crash mode. Don't go. It didn't matter. Right? Inventory fell again. There's a theme here. Inventory keeps on falling. Right? Then it was because, well, nobody wanted to list their homes. And that's why housing didn't crash. It is, it, is, it is a strange anomaly that we're seeing here, that demand can be stable. And this is why I like showing these historical 40-year inventory charts. We have never had inventory skyrocket, you know, going back 40 years since 1982, outside of the 2006 to 2011 period. That's when we had forced credit selling, demand was weaker, foreclosures. We had a bunch of things happen at once. That's why I always talk about that period in relationship to now. So the, hence the creation of the forbearance crash bros. The forbearance crash bros are the shadow inventory people. These are the housing bubble boys. 2.0, these people have run for 10, 11 years. have kept on saying inflation is fake news. There is no housing inflation. We're Japan. Demographics are nothing. Uh, there's, there's, don't worry about it. Something's going to happen where we have this major deflationary housing situation. So they went all in forbearance. And I said, uh, -uh I'm not going to let this slide. So we created the forbearance crash bros in September of 2020. And then what happened? If you read going back to reading the jobs report in October of 2020, people who make over $60,000 already got most of their jobs back. Homeowners have a hundred thousand uh, dollar financial profile. 
So most of those people got their jobs back. Forbearance is going to collapse. It didn't matter. They ran through all of 2021, assuming that every American who was in forbearance was just going to go to the market and sell their houses at 20 or 30% and just get out. Never happened, right? This has become a cult. This has become a cult group, right? So 2021 came, guess what happened? What were we doing in Housing Wire? We were saying in January and February, watch out. Inventory is below 1.52 million. Guess what? Home prices is going to accelerate higher. We, this is a very unhealthy housing market. So much that in 20, February of 2021, boy, we need higher rates to cool this down. So guess what happened? Inventory channels were falling. And then October came. And the reason we talk about October is that housing, housing inventory is very seasonal. It falls in the spring and summer. It, I mean, it rises in the spring and summer. It falls in the fall and winter. By October, you can see we had a problem, right? So there was this notion that housing was 20% oversupplied and that if 4% mortgage rates come, the entire dynamics of the housing market going back to 1982 is going to change. Right. So inventory kept on falling, falling. And then here's January and February. And we literally had the worst housing shortage of our lifetime in the worst timing ever, which was years 2020 to 2024. And we had massive forced bidding going on. Um, and hence the upgrade of the housing market from an unhealthy market to a savagely unhealthy market. I lost my price growth model in year one and two. I've always said that housing will be okay as long as we just grow at 23% or less in that five-year period from 2020 to 2024. If it breaks that, we're going to have issues when rates rise. It's really the opposite of a crash. So a crash assumes that you're going to have way more supply. People are going to lose all their value in their house. No one's going to want to buy a house. If you have this kind of demand with very little inventory, it's truly the opposite of a crash. And definitely that 20% oversupply, we never really understood where that where that number was being derived from, but it has been completely shown to be not correct. The professional grifting of housing after 2008 was a very effective business and marketing model, um, but it's not very good economics. Remember, economics done right should be terribly boring. You always want to be the detective, not the troll. Um, so here it is. It was the worst case scenario. And, and I say this, that everything that I thought that could possibly go wrong with housing did and a bunch of other things, right? You know, we can't finish a home, right? Our, we have shortages on construction where the, where the completion data is like, there's all these things that could go terribly bad. And now what's happened is that, you know, part of the 2022 forecast was that if global yields rise, and this is why I focused on Japan and Germany, you know, the 10-year yield can get above 1.94%. And what that means is that 4% plus mortgage rates. So early on, oddly enough, the positive aspect was like, whoa, global yields are rising. So this is this is this could be a positive. This could create balance because I went straight into nuclear mode, savagely unhealthy. Right by February, we were writing articles then talking about we need rates to rise as soon as they can because this is getting out of hand. The Case Shiller index is still running a 20 plus percent home price growth, and it lags a few months. So, the, if you look at realtor.com and Redfin, their medium list pricings are still 16 to 17 percent. We're not talking about anything that resembles the previous expansion. Why? Because if you read and you could visually see, 
inventory levels are still really low. And that is the savagely aspect of housing. And this is why there's literally nothing else that could create balance outside of higher rates because it's the only tool we have, right? And a lot of people think, you know, well, the mortgage-backed security market is the only thing. So I run this joke now uh, that people on uh, my financial world friends get it. The Federal Reserve sold all their mortgage-backed securities from 1971 to 1981, and you saw rates rise. And then from 1982 to 2010, they bought mortgage-backed securities and rates fell. Oh, wait, that didn't happen. If you look at the 10-year yield and, and mortgage rates, they kind of move and trend together. There is this emphasis about mortgage-backed securities. There's a group of people that believe that America is a, is a civilization in decline, like, like Japan, and that there is no demographic demand. There is no household formation. These are the, I don't believe in housing inflation people. Inflation is fake news. We are on the verge of a deflationary collapse since 2012. Complete disaster, right? And here is 2022 now. So what do we talk about 2022? Inventory needs to rise. So we set metrics, right? And that's why the, the, the article really goes into it. I need prices to fall. I want my model back. So it can't happen until certain things occur. Let the data come to you, right? Don't force the data to do something that you that you want to. There, there are people who spend their entire lives just bad-mouthing the United States of America because they hate housing. They don't want people to get mortgages, have sex, have kids, live a life. They've literally spent their middle-aged life doing this, and they will never stop. And this is why I say these people will go to the graves as one of the biggest bearish American citizens running with the Russian trolls and the Chinese trolls, whatever it is. It's a death cult, right? So inventory now needs to rise to get balance. So this is where we're at this stage now. But until we could get above 1.52 million to 1.93 million, that range, that's pre, pre-COVID area. That is fine. I, I'm never, I've never been one of these, there's no homes to buy inventory people. I think people who know me in the previous expansion, I always railed on the, there's no homes to buy. We have record-breaking. Now, we don't have record-breaking. It's the weakest housing recovery ever. But when you get below 1.52 million with our demographic patch, it can cause problems. And it did. And the damage is already done. We lived through the housing crisis, but it was the opposite of what everyone told us. Everyone told us Americans are poor. They're going to sell their house at no cost. Home, 20% oversupplied. You know, these people barely can make their payment. No, if you believe in the power of reading and looking at data, cash flows were positive. Uh, mortgage payment as a percentage of disposable incomes were at all-time lows. These Americans were sitting in their homes for 10 plus years. They're doing great, right? They've refinanced their homes a few times. They're fine. Saying that these people will willfully sell at 20, 30, 40, 50% off to get out at any cost. No, that's a marketing gimmick. So we're at this stage to where we want inventory to increase a positive, right? We want monthly supply data to at least get over four months. I know a lot of people think that you need to have six months plus of supply for pricing to really change. Let's go with four months. And when I, the reason I say four months is you go back to 2015, 16, 17, 18. You get four months of supply. You can have growth rate pricing slow, especially in 2019. We, we uh, adjusting to inflation equivalents of rent, real home prices were negative briefly. Uh, we had four months of supply back then with demand uh, getting slower. So let's get to that stage, right? And don't, don't 
don't be a crazy person. Right? Don't like, I mean, you know, there is, there Logan, is, you are asking too much to say, don't be a crazy sorry, person. Apparently. I, 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 I get it. If, if people just hate the Federal Reserve and they just, they're old guys, they got older. And this is why, this is these people say that. Why, why is that? There's always an internal battle versus good versus darkness, right? That's, that's, that's the history of humanity. If you are a perma bear and you live in America and you are, posting every day of your life, hiding behind a fake name. Some of these people are pretending to be women and guys. It's just hilarious because I know some of these people. I'm just like, they're all like, what, what is the mental state of these people? Um, and by the way, I just want to add that a lot of these people have the same kind of mindset as Putin and the Russian trolls did. They're all dollar collapse people. They're the U.S.'s empire is over. These are not your friends, everyone. These are not us. These people are not us. Normal people don't sit there and just crash, crash, crash all the time. And that's and that's the problem, right? And, and that that is the problem. Well, let's let's get back to pricing specifically, prices, home prices. So here we are. We are seeing inventory go up. So so higher rates, you say, have done their job a little bit because we're seeing inventory inch back up. And you mentioned that, you know, um, Case Schiller had one set of price in uh, price increases. We we see Redfin. Other people say something. Where do you think we are now? And where are we in a month and in two months and three months? Okay. So the, the pricing is still going to be double digit growth in the second half of of 2022, the growth rate in pricing should come down. Okay. If it doesn't, well, we have bigger problems than, than I even thought. Uh, higher rates will do their thing. They just take time. I think the confusion has always been that people look at like the Redfin and the Realtor.com and they see these vertical charts of inventory. They don't read page three or the third chart and it shows the median listing price is still 16, 17%. Okay, so then they go, or the people that do read go, wait a second, what's going on here? I said, we're not there yet. So let's let's get total inventory above 1.52 million. And it's actually not that much higher than, 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 than where we are. We just got to get up there and then let monthly suppliers 2.2 months. That's that's still too low. Higher rates will get us back up there, right? Because I believe this is an abnormal historical low. And since we don't have a credit boom, Housing has limits, right? There's affordability has limits. So what occurred is the kind of the worst case scenario. Prices grew so fast, rates went up so fast. That should work. It just needs time, right? But all these stories for the last 10 years, they were not it. So the question is, who do you want to follow? The people that have been wrong as a one-trick story, or the people who believe in data and will guide you in there. So this is why that article was important to give people checkers, you know, mark points, you know, things to, to look for when you can actually really see. And I, I want this, like, this is, this is, I I don't hold back on this. I need prices to decline, to get stable. And it's just, we're not there yet. We need more time. And the biggest fear I have is that if the economy doesn't stay firm, like today, the CPI inflation was hot. So far, the labor market is still going but if that turns, what traditionally happens is that the 10-year yield starts to go down and rates go down with it. So I'm hoping that before that day comes, we get inventory much higher than where we are, because what I don't want to see is rates come back down and it stabilizes the housing market. What I think happened, the damage I think that's done in the pricing from 2020 to 2022 is that in the previous expansion, rates go up, sales fall, rates go down, sales rebound. 
We're not going to have that similar type of impact because pricing has gone so much so fast that it's going to take some time to recalibrate the housing market. It was serious price damage done in the last two years. So hopefully higher rates do their thing. It's going to run duration. It's going to take time and inventory levels grow. But context is key. Look at the total inventory data. Look at that downtrend. Target levels, monthly supply needs to get up. 2.2 months is, is slow. And please do not use the new home sales monthly supply data because <laughs> people keep on using that. They, they see the monthly supply at nine months. They go, oh, housing's crashing. They're so No, new home sales market is a smaller marketplace. Doesn't really impact six, six months of that supply or homes that haven't even started. So you technically can't sell your homes at 20% off if it's not even built yet. Okay, only 2.2 months of that is under construction. 0.8 months of that is homes that are actually completed. And remember, when a buyer acquires that new home, that is not a supply. That's just a home sold. The multifamily construction, which is part of the uh, housing starts data, is not going to help the home buying market. That's a renting situation. So put that in context uh, and, then, and realize that I, I need this to happen for my model to work. I want to see prices go down. I want to see rates do their thing, but we're still low. And that's the context. That's why I, I waited for this period of time to do these 40-year, 25-year, 10-year, two-year charts so everybody could understand that if you look at the history of housing inventory going back to 1982, boy, there's there's been a few times where you have a recession, foreclosures, higher rates. Yeah, you know, uh, but not we're not there yet. We can get there, but not there yet. Give it time. Let the market do its thing. Let higher rates create balance because we have nothing else. All those homes that are in construction aren't going to do anything, right? Uh, uh, we have to get off of these extreme low levels because the pricing this year is still savagely unhealthy. Savagely unhealthy. I really recommend even people who have listened to this to go back and read the article because of those charts that you included that just make it so obvious about what's going on. Like you, you really do thread the needle from um, 2012 to now. And then some of those really historical charts going back, make it pretty, pretty plain to, to your point. When you look at those it becomes. And, and a lot of this is credit, right? A lot of this is, um, you know, what, what, what happened in, in 2000 housing peak. It's, it's, it's always funny to me when people say 2008 housing, housing peaked in 2005. Not 2008. 2005 housing peaked. Uh, credit started to get worse, right? 2005, 2006, 2007, and 2008, people were vying for foreclosures, bankruptcies. Then the job loss recession happened. So the people that are talking about 2008 are really saying something's going to happen bad four years from now, right? You know, because it's 2005 that housing peaked. So we have sales are declining, purchase application data is declining. Sales are going to fall this year. Demand is falling this year. We better get more inventory with that decline in demand because we don't want to be stuck under 1.52 million. It's if you look back back to 1982, it's we've never been there, and this is not a good time in this period. After 2024, you know that one-time bump of demand that's not there anymore. But during this period of time, it's just too many people looking at too few homes. So playing devil's advocate here for just a minute, um, what happens? So, you know, higher rates are key to your, you know, getting inventory back up to levels that are at least uh, more reasonable. 
what happens and, and what is the likelihood that rates actually fall in the short term? Well, so we, we're sitting here, this is Friday morning, and just, we had another hot inflation print. Uh, the 10-year yield is at 3.12%. Uh, we haven't been able to break over three and a quarter, the 2018 highs. Uh, the bond market is not convinced on the long-term kind of inflation positive growth story of the U.S. If it was, the 10-year yield would be at six, seven percent. Mortgage rates would be mortgage rates would be kind of where they were in in, in the SNL crisis in the early 90s. We're talking about eight, nine uh, percent heading toward 10 percent. Not even close. That hasn't happened. Uh, that was the you know that period was interesting in the sense that inventory total inventory got down to like 1.5 million, and then uh, recession came and rates were much higher. So job loss recession matters because it could create inventory. Uh, uh, higher rates back then really impacted housing. Here, it's just we it's it's very difficult. It's been very difficult to break uh, uh, much higher. And uh, I would get more balance if the ten year yield and rates rose, but again. The economy is slowing, right? Inflation is hot, but it's a lot, you know, you're not, the Fed can't do much about uh, oil prices and it can't do much about uh, uh, energy prices, but it can impact housing. So they're going to stay the course. Um, uh, and hopefully we the economy stays firm enough to where we create some balance. If it starts to get weaker, then rates are going to go down. Because the labor market is is going to lead, and then what happens is we're starting we're starting to see what's what's what could show up in, over the next six to eight months. We're starting to see discounts on pricing. Uh, the fourth recession red flag that we raised here at Housing Wire was that the spending in durable goods and those things cannot be maintained. Those sectors are going to have price discounts, the Peloton effect. Uh, so some of those inflationary things will slow down. The energy food thing is is the new variable, the new kind of the COVID X variable for economics. So uh, we'll wait to see what that what that occurs. Shelter inflation, forty three percent of core CPI is shelter inflation. I think they were the rent equivalents is about twenty five percent. Shelter inflation is picking up. Why? Because demographics equal demand and supply is low. Don't overcomplicate it. There's a, there's a group of people that just say there's no household formation because population growth has been slowing for many years and it, it doesn't work that way when you adjust to the demographic profile of the United States of America that does not look anything like Japan. Uh, so you have shelter inflation and home price inflation at the same time. I mean, if there was ever a historical whiff on a call, it was that. It was always in there, the data, rental vacancies have been falling Home buying vacancies have been falling. So uh, it, it, we really got caught at a really bad spot and we paid the price for it. There's, not, there's nothing we can do. We can't go back in time. But hopefully that article gives, you, gives everyone some historical context because what we have right now currently is not a good thing. It wasn't a good thing, you know, in 2021. Uh, I know the, you know, how people want to be happy that we're not having a housing crash, uh, that all the housing bubble boys failed or whatever. Okay, listen, we have to evolve from, in a sense, thinking home prices going up so much is a good thing. It, it's not a good thing. It's, it's, it's a negative. So this is all a net negative. Uh, and we see what's happened with uh, total payments, right? We've major increasing increase in um, total payments uh, to buy a house. It broke any kind of deviation that we've seen in the past uh, previous 10 years. So that was the fear. If prices escalated and then rates rose, 
you, you kiss that 6.2 million total home sales goodbye. That was the only thing that could mess this up. And, and I could give you a hypothetical. Let's say just home prices grew three to 4% in 2020, 2021, and 2022. When rates rise, the marginal home buyer always gets impacted, but it wouldn't be so much of a big deal. Uh, 2018 gave us an example on that. We still had near 6 million total home sales. We have a little bit more better demographics now. So hopefully people can understand like the frustration of somebody like me, hey, we rates need to rise, uh, inventory is still low, prices could escalate, and we're sitting here in June, and the median prices are still well above what we saw in the previous, and I need this to cool down. So hopefully higher rates do their thing, and by the end of this year, the growth rate starts to fall, inventory starts to pick up, and then when we get above kind of four months of monthly supply and total inventory over 1.52 million, we'll have another conversation. But now it's just not nah, come on. Now we're just we're not there yet, right? We're not there yet. So be patient. I know there's so many people out there that their livelihood is based on housing collapsing because it's been so frustrating for the last 10 or 11 years. But <laughs> don't let the market come to you first, right? Let the market come to you. I, I can't help your psychological being of being a permanent bear, but let it come and then move it to the next stage, but don't think because you want something to happen that it will occur. The data will show you the pathway, connect the dots, be the detective, not the troll. Well, and of course we have plenty of people who make their living as real estate agents or part of the mortgage uh, process, the whole real estate transaction. And so, you know, they're not necessarily perma bears. They're just trying to figure out what is going on. And they're, you know, they're hearing the doom and gloom on one side, they're trying to, to, to work it out. This is why we have you on so that you can give them insight that really matters for their business. Yeah. And, and, and pricing is changing. So what, what I, what I hope, and I'm crossing my fingers on this, that sellers don't get stingy. Um, and the reason I say sellers don't get stingy is that everyone thinks their home should price higher. You know, my, my running joke that I have on Twitter is that why doesn't Elizabeth Warren have a windfall tax on home sellers? You know, they they collected so much money, they bit, they made people bid up prices for their for their prop for their property, and they profited from it, right? So, um, because you don't have what we call forced selling, you know, hopefully, real estate agents and sellers have an understanding that you know uh, pricing is changing. And as inventory increases, what what you saw in 2020 to 2021 is completely abnormal. This wasn't because we had record-breaking demand or anything like that. We had an inventory crunch. And that inventory crunch created forced bidding. Forced bidding is the last thing you want for shelter, right? Because people buy that house, they're going to stay there for a long time. Okay, that, that supply is gone for a while. Okay, so great for the seller, the home buyer got in, yeah, yeah, but the future of the market gets impacted. So when the market changes, go with that, right? Don't don't believe that. Uh, and again, that's why the total inventory data on a year-over-year basis, on a seasonal basis, these things matter. Mortgage demand matters. Where everybody puts these whole thing on <clears throat> on investors. I think it, it, the irony right now is why is why is Home sales falling. It's because mortgage buyers are the biggest home buyers in America. The investors can never match them. They're not big enough. You look at the NAR sales, investor sales data, it's about 14 to 18% for, for years now. Okay. They're simply not big enough to matter 
mortgage buyers are the biggest home buyers in the world. Those pesky millennials who are the biggest <laughs> home buyers in the world. They're ruining it for every one of us. Um, so follow those trends and hopefully real estate agents uh, can convince their, their home sellers that things are changing. Um, and then that, you know, a pause or a delay in home buying or weakness in demand creates more inventory. So when more, more inventory comes, pricing is going to change. And hopefully, maybe I, I, I don't get what I want, right? Uh, uh, prices don't fall for me and I don't get my model back by the end of 2024. But I can hope, right? But hope doesn't get you there. Data gets you there. So we need a lot more inventory. We need more monthly supply to rise. And we need rates to stay high for this to occur. I know it's not a very popular, but uh, what we saw in 2020 to 2021, is, and it's especially the early part of 2022, was the worst housing market post kind of any kind of credit crash, just because the forced vertical bidding of, of home prices uh, painful to watch. But uh, it's the reality of the world we live in. Yeah, it's the reality of the world we live in. Uh, we can't we can't do anything about it. it. It is what it is. We just have to deal with it and move it on one day at a time. Well, Logan, thank you so much for being on. As always, I do recommend your latest article as well as the other articles that go into this, your recession model model articles so that people can know, hey, um, you know, will we go into recession? When might that be? What might that look like? How do we plan for that? You've written this extensively on that. You've written on inventory rates. And then this last one is really on home prices, which of course talks about inventory and rates. But um Thank you so much for being on and thank you for guiding us uh, to, to what's happening in the housing market. Really appreciate you. Pleasure. And always remember, if economics is done right, it should be very boring. It should not be very exciting. So uh, uh, kind of stay away from the circus sacks. Every one of you can read data. Trust me. Uh, uh, don't think that you can't. It's Data is not that complicated to read. Inventory goes up, demand's down, supply increases, pricing changes, right? Uh, uh, and we're at that process, which we desperately needed for it to occur. As you say, keep it simple. Thank you so much. And we'll check back with you next week. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.